This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 338, recorded Monday, October the 2nd, 2017. Holy moly, Jason, it's October. Oh, October. Do you know what that means? Uh, Halloween, start of the big show, um, various birthdays. Uh, there are some birthdays. Um, actually, today is my brother-in-law Trevor's birthday, so happy birthday to him. Happy birthday, Trevor. I don't know if he listens to us because he doesn't watch the show, so he probably doesn't. But I do know his 14-year-old son put us on one time because he's just starting. He just got his own phone recently, so he's just starting to get into podcasts and things nice. like that. Yeah, which is great. So, you know, he knows I do this thing with you. And so he put it on. He told me he didn't understand it and it was boring. Well, yeah. I mean, I barely understand it and I don't find it that boring, but, you know, really it's because I'm talking and not listening to my stupid self. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's not watching the show. I'm pretty sure my sister wouldn't let him watch it anyways. Uh, so maybe in 10 years when he's 24 and he's binging through The Walking Dead, he can go back and listen to us and not be so bored. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, next time he's over too, you can show him the setup and how uh, podcasts are recorded. That, that'd be really fun. That would be fun. Maybe I should just show him the show and and uh, get my sister all mad at me. Yeah, here's some uh, dismemberment and gore and gunshots and adult content. Yeah, why not? I'll, you know, I'm sure he'd be into it. Uh, but anyways, it's October. You're right. That means that Halloween is at the end of this month, which will be fun. But really, it means that The Walking Dead, it, Walking Dead, The Walking Dead is back <laughs> on October 22nd. So we are inside of three weeks at this point, which is very exciting. The 22nd, eh? October 22nd. That's right. Cool. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. October, it's my favorite time of year, uh, at least TV wise. Because Walking Dead starts. I kind of like the summer before the weather, but you know. Ah, October. I like fall weather. Fall's my favorite time of year, weather-wise. If it's not raining constantly, then sure, but. I like it when it's raining constantly. All with the time, constantly. Not all the time, but I like it when you get a full day of wall-to-wall rain. Well, I hope your basement is well sealed then. It is. Good. Uh, and then of course, Walker Stalker Con at the end of the month, just, uh, just before Halloween. So that's in Atlanta. I'll be down there. It sounds like my wife will be coming with me again this nice. year. So that should be fun. She, uh, made some friends down there last year and I think she just wants to go see them again. So did she give, us. uh, Henry Dean Morgan a great big hug? Henry, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, <laughs> a great big hug. It's been a long day. Uh, yep. She got a big old hug from him which uh, she thought was fun. And she was sad that she didn't get to hug um, uh, Stephen Yeun. Oh, yeah. You know, at, at, he, at that time, he had just been killed on the show. Right. Well, now she can go down and give various people various hugs. Yeah. And have a grand old time. I think so. All right. Before we get into this week's uh, episode of Fear the Walking Dead, we'll take a quick look back at last week with a little bit of listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay, Jason, we got a few emails to cover here, uh, and one tweet, actually. So we're going to, the first time I've read a tweet on the air, actually that may not be true, but I don't read too many tweets, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Sally 
from Ocean Grove, Australia, wrote in. And Sally says, hi, guys. Love the podcast here in Australia. Just listened to number 337. And you said that nobody on fear had called zombies the dead. Do I remember correctly you, te- you talking a couple of weeks ago about Strand saying, quote, the dead don't drive? <laughs> Sorry be- for being an annoying pedant. Keep up the great work. <laughs> yep. Consistency so, uh, is the refuge of the weak-minded. I, I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you'd think we'd remember like a couple of weeks before Strand saying something like that. But uh, no, I, I guess not. For some reason, it felt like um, it felt like the dead when uh, what's his name said it in that episode that it felt like the first time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. Well, I guess, guess we're wrong. That's why we have uh, the ability to have wonderful listeners that point out when uh, we get things slightly incorrect. You know, you know what we need? We need some kind of podcast advisory committee or or board of directors that that keeps track of shit like this and. So that they can immediately come to us when I say something dumb and, and shut it down and be like, no, that contradicts what you said in episode 194. Uh, so get it right next time. What's the, what's that called on TV? A continuity director, continuity advisor? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, somebody's whole job is to make sure that they get that shit right. <laughs> so right. That'd be nice. Well... It's hard after 338 episodes. Now, it looks stupid because it was like two episodes apart, but yeah. what, can you, what are you going to do? I mean, if, if, if she had said that back in, you know, 200 episodes ago, we, we realized that someone called them the dead, I'd, I'd say that was forgivable. But in this case, thank you, Sally, for pointing that out. And uh, who knows? I'm sure in a couple episodes I'll say again, hey, it's the first time they called them the dead. Don't you yeah. think? Could be. There you go. Okay, Richie in Minneapolis writes, All of my friends have bailed on this show, but I'm trying to live in hope. Uh, But this was one of the most frustrating episodes of Fear the Walking Dead yet. It was the most exciting, yet simultaneously the most illogical episode of the series. I spent the entire time thinking, WTF. And then I'm going to do a couple examples here that Richie sent in. Number one. WTF is up with Troy still getting lifelines. He is a senseless killer who has just endangered everyone's lives. Jake's reluctance makes him make some sense since he is his brother, but Nick and Madison's reluctance doesn't. Nick manages to get the decent brother killed just so he can once again protect the psychopath. Somebody's got to murder that guy. So <laughs> that's kind of what I was feeling like uh, last time. We have another email after this one with an alternate viewpoint. But uh, before we get to that, uh, I currently still agree that Troy just seems like he, he's got to die. He, he's, he's been horrible to people. He's been horrible to these characters. He's done terrible things. He brought a horde of infected down on them with no regard for anything except basically revenge and yet Nick continues to make excuses for him. So I, I don't get it. Uh, but it, Richie's second point here is WTF was up with the worst plan ever. Block the herd with campers, stand behind the campers, hoping they will all of a sudden give up and wait until it is too late to run to safety. No wonder Madison and Walker are the leaders. No one else has any common sense. Yeah. No, you put up the campers and then go someplace else. 
Because there's a horde of zombies coming. Like, put them up, fine, to try and block them, but then immediately go hide, is what you're saying. Yeah, and then maybe put lean some two-by-fours on them so that they don't get tipped over or, you know, dragged around and stuff. Or not tipped over quite as easy, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, this this is what uh, Luke and Leia and uh, Han did in the trash compactor, right? The first thing, the walls are coming in on you. What do you do? You brace them with something. That that would make some sense, yeah. But I think they figured camping campers like big RVs are pretty big and heavy. They are not. They're made as light and as flimsy as technically possible. Well, okay, but relative to human beings pushing them over... Uh, you know, even dead ones, well, especially dead ones that don't have a lot of, I don't know, muscular strength left. Come on. People can tip over cars. They can tip over vans. They can tip over campers. They're basically just air surrounded by cardboard and plastic. A bit of metal, maybe. Yeah. Maybe in the chassis. Right. There's not a lot of metal on those things. I guess. Well, I don't know. I mean, I do. In, in movies, you see cars driving through campers all the time clothes well, flying everywhere pieces of crap going everywhere it's because they're basically just uh, a foam thing cardboard just, box on wheels yeah so yeah campers are not the best thing to to use in this case if you had you know shipping containers that'd be a good thing because they're concrete. solid metal they're meant to be dropped right and survive. The contents may or may not survive, all depending on what the contents are. If you know it's a shipping container full of socks, you're okay. If it's full of electronic parts and you drop it 40 feet, container will survive. <laughs> and the eggs inside probably won't. Well, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, they ship them in refrigerated containers, I would hope. But Yeah, I imagine they do. Anyways, regarding the plan, my understanding was the... The zombies were hitting the camp at a at a particular angle, and so they arranged the campers to try and just sort of deflect them off, and so they would they would change direction. the The zombies would change direction and just sort of bypass the camp, um, which to me makes some sense if you are going to put them there and then go hide. So that you're not standing there behind them, smelling all nice and good, making noise and things like that, which which just attracts the the walkers in and forces them up against the campers, right? Which yep. which is when they end up getting destroyed or pushed over. So I don't think the idea behind the plan last week was terrible. It was just executed really poorly, right? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what those barriers on highways do, right? They're not meant to take on a direct impact from a vehicle because that would kill, you know, the car and destroy the barrier. They're just meant to like deflect the car back onto the road. Right. So that's, that's the same kind of idea that they're doing here is they got to deflect them back on the road. But those barriers are, you know, solid concrete and uh, reinforced with, you know, steel and stuff. They're not made of cardboard and plastic and aluminum. No, I get it. I'm, and, and I understand that these campers are easy to like punch through, but I still think that enough of them, um, the zombies would have no reason to necessarily put all of the pressure straight against the vehicle, right? If they're coming at it from an angle, they might just going to go, whoa, and bounce off of it and then go on their merry way. It's just that, what's behind the campers was enticing to them. So it drew them in. And I think that's where they made their mistake. Right. I think. Yeah. So they basically gift wrapped, uh, you know, sweet smelling humans. 
Yeah, pretty much. Gift wrapped them and said, come on through here. You might take slightly longer to push your way through this vehicle, but yeah. you know, you're going to do it. So we got juicy humans over here. All you have to do is get on the other side of these, you know, nasty little campers and uh, we're all yours. All yours. So the next time, you know, put up the barrier and, you know, get the fuck out of there. And get out of there. Exactly. And, and you might be able to come back. That's the whole thing. Uh, all right. Thank you, Richie, for that. Chris in Lake Ridge, Virginia writes, I disagree about you wanting Troy dead. He's a berserker. He is the Wolverine of the group. You point him in a direction and he gets the job done. Left to his own devices, he gets into chaos, but that makes him interesting. Then everyone around him gets, uh, around him gets in trouble, but that is why the group must keep him focused on an objective. So Chris is saying as long as you just give him a job to do, he'll do it and he'll stay out of trouble. Or if he gets into trouble, it'll be with the goal of completing his job, which might be okay. So he's like a swarm of locusts. As long as you point, make sure the locusts are pointed in the right direction, they'll destroy whatever crop you want them to. But if they get loose, they're going to wreak havoc all over the place. Well, yeah, I guess so. Um, I just or maybe think... he's like a wildfire or a fire of some kind. Well, you know, I mean, fire can be useful in, in your internal combustion engine, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not so useful when it's burning your house down. You can have a controlled burn, of course, right, yep. of a fire. So if you can keep Troy under control, then you might be able to use his kind of chaotic powers for good, or at least for your best interest. I'm not so sure I agree with that, though, because he just seems so evil and single-minded and any guy who would would need to take vengeance on people for casting him out like that in in the way that he did just seems so unhinged and is just not a guy you can have around because even if you can control him i feel like eventually he's going to get out of control and do something that's going to get everybody killed right so i'm not so sure if if you can if if he has any purpose, if he has any use. I don't think in this episode he was all that useful either. And we'll talk about that, talk about that yeah. when we get to it in a minute. But um, I still think Troy needs to go <laughs> more yeah, than anybody else. Yeah, so, you know, when he got off, the, got off the, the leash there last time, he directed a herd towards the encampment and basically destroyed it and made their uh, grocery store completely useless. Well, yeah, he, he screwed everything up. Right? Pretty much. He ruined everything for everybody. Trucker Tom on the road writes, I listened to you two speculate on if or when Madison and Walker would get together. Oh, yeah. Are you forgetting Travis and that Walker ultimately was responsible and proud to have caused Travis's death? I am very sure Madison hasn't. Madison is focused like a laser on protecting her family and will do whatever it takes to protect them. If that means suppressing her grief and her hatred toward those who killed Travis for no good reason in order to commit to an alliance of convenience with his killers, she will. However, I doubt she has forgotten that revenge is a dish best served cold, and once the need for the alliance is over, uh, she will take her revenge on Walker and get great satisfaction in doing it. Uh, in doing it, yeah, exactly. Not it, taking revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. I mean, there's always forgive and forget and have sex with someone you absolutely loathe, right? Well, who hasn't done that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. If if she is a vengeful person, uh, then absolutely she's going to wait and do the Klingon thing and kill kill him when uh, he least expect it. But I don't know. I think there's something there. I think there's something between Madison and Strand now that he's back. Not Walker. He's gay. Strand is not. What? He is. Oh, yeah, of not course. St- yeah, he is gay. <laughs> he's at least bisexual because <laughs> he was with... Um, <laughs> Uh, what's his name there? Uh, Abigail, Thomas Abigail. Yeah. I, I still feel like there's more, well, there's more of an emotional connection between. Absolutely. They're the best, they're the best of friends. They're the two best friends that anybody could have. Okay. And, uh, I, I guess you're right. He's gay, but I don't know. I, I still feel like you never know what could happen right there. It is the apocalypse. Your choices are limited. I don't know. But I can't well, see. Well, you could go the other way too then. You know, it could be completely heterosexual, but it's the apocalypse. You know, gotta do what you gotta do. You right? gotta do what you gotta do. Yep. I, you know what? I, you know, whatever happens between two consenting adults, fine with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I don't feel the, the connection between uh, Walker and Madison. Uh, but maybe. It's wishful thinking, but I'm hoping, you know? You're hoping for it? I'm hoping. I'm hoping that there's something there, and then she turns evil and kills them, kills him right after sex. Maybe that's the thing. She's a black widow. <laughs> maybe. But he has that smile. When he's happy, he's got a nice smile. Yeah. Maybe she wants to cut off that head while he's smiling when he's happy. Okay, man. You're really going for the evil Madison, aren't you? Well, that's what black widows do. They rip their heads off of the males. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we got to wait and see on that one. Uh, finally here... We had a tweet from at Jamie Summers BKS on Twitter. And this was in relation to our conversation about um, Nick using the F word uh, last week in the episode, right? And right. how AMC has okayed that. But Jamie on Twitter said, in the UK, we had an F bomb from Rick in the televised season four finale when they were in that train car in Terminus. Son of a bitch. So I knew that they filmed that scene where he said they're fucking with the wrong people. And if I'm not mistaken, it's on the home video release, right? However, I did not realize that they actually broadcast that anywhere. So good for them in the UK. They dropped the F-bomb over there, but they couldn't do it at the time here in North America. Um, And I think somebody else replied to that tweet that said subsequently on repeat broadcasts, for some reason they've done the screwing version, not the fucking version. Right. And I don't know what the deal is with that, but um, in any case, apparently they broadcast it once. I wonder if it was a mistake. I hope so. That'd be awesome. (laughs) That that would be fun, actually, to think they broadcast the F word by mistake. But in any case, it does exist. And uh, if that was the first actual broadcast F-bomb on The Walking Dead, hooray for the UK, but we're going to get some more coming up here it seems like when appropriate finally yes finally all right jason that is it for uh listener feedback about last week let's get into this week's discussion of season three episode 13 this land is your land this land is my land from california to the new york islands from the redwood forest to the gulf stream waters This land was made for you and me. Thank you, Lynn in Virginia, for that wonderful title singing. uh, Title read, sing. Title sing. (laughs) Performance. (laughs) 
So of course the episode was titled This Land is Your Land, and it's hard to say that without trying without actually singing it. It's just one of those phrases. Um and it's season three, episode thirteen. Alright, so we have more or less two main locations in this episode, Jason. It's pretty much about what's going on down underground in the pantry with everyone stuck there. Mm-hmm. And then to a lesser degree, what's happening above ground with Nick and Troy trying to do something to help up there. Ineffectually. It, oh, totally ineffectually, which <laughs> I, I think we can get to. But let's start but, underground. If, okay. If you want. Unless sure. you want to start somewhere else. I do not. All right. Uh, let's start underground in the pantry. We've got everyone trapped down there. We pick up right where we left off last week. And the first thing they realize when they're down there is that, well, they've got lots of supplies. There's lots of food. Uh, they've got water. They've got everything they need to stay down there for as long as they need to, right? And stay safe and comfortable until all the zombies up on the surface just wander off and they can come back out and resume their lives, right? That sounds like an ideal way of spending some time yes sadly it turns out that the one thing they don't have any uh, enough of is oxygen oh man there's always one thing you forget to stock in your underground bunker yeah so it's not designed for this many people apparently and although the place does have an air supply obviously it must there is something blocking the fan or the duct work. We don't know at the beginning necessarily so that air isn't coming in. So they realize Alicia does some quick advanced math on a piece of paper and realizes they have about two hours of air before everyone suffocates. Okay. So where did she, <laughs> do you know how much air a person normally breathes uh, in an hour? No. Do you know how much volume of air is in your house right now? No. Do you have any way of doing any kind of math to determine how long you and or your family would survive if your hermetically sealed house didn't have an external air supply? I do not. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> so how would they know? Look. And you can rebreathe uh, uh, air that you've exhaled. Like of course. 16, 17 times or something like that. It's yeah, crazy. of course. Because you you breathe out mostly oxygen in, a, in addition to the carbon dioxide, right? Well, it's mostly nitrogen, but just a little bit of oxygen and a little bit of carbon dioxide, but you breathe out more oxygen than uh, you need. Okay. Well- So you can breathe into somebody else. That's why, you know, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation works. Right. Because <laughs> you're just blowing oxygen into their- Lungs, yeah, you, right. you can breathe back and forth a little, like a couple of times before it becomes an issue. Right. So, yes, I, it, it is a bit ridiculous that she was able to do that math and figure out how long they were in there, but we don't know what she studied in high school. She might have been in physics or in some other field that she had the basic enough knowledge to calculate human respiration versus air volume and... Figure it out. Okay. So let me, let me, let me talk you through this. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, we had 13 grades. The last grade was uh, OAC. Uh, me too. And what? Uh, same, same thing. I grew up in the same province yeah. as you. They got rid of that and now it's just grade 12, right? So you had to have uh, six OAC credits uh, for 
uh, entry into university. You know what my six OAC credits were? Not Jim. <laughs> actually, it was Jim. Oh, okay, Jim. <laughs> uh, but that's another story. Right. So it was physics, calculus, algebra, and geometry, Jim, uh-huh. uh, and English, because English was a requirement. And I think that's only five. What the hell was the sixth one? French. Oh, chemistry. Chemistry. So, okay. Uh, so between chemistry. Yes. Uh, physics. Yes. Calculus. Um, calculus. Algebra and geometry. Well, that one maybe. And phys ed, which was mostly in class learning how the body works and how muscles work yeah. and how much you breathe and stuff. Between all None that. None of that gave me any tools to be able to calculate how long you could survive within a specific volume of air. Sure, but you were in high school in the 80s. Maybe high school in the 90s. It was the 90s. No, I graduated in 92. It was, oh. 80s. it was right on the cusp of 89. Okay, fine. Maybe high school in the 2000s. They're teaching them stuff like this. They should be teaching how to do your taxes. <laughs> True. Frankly. <laughs> the most important thing you can learn in life, to be honest. Uh, well, anyways, they figure out, they needed, look, Jason, they needed a way to to give themselves, to give the show a time frame, right? So there were stakes and and that, and they had to do something about it, right? They knew they had to act now. They didn't have any time to waste. Yeah. And why not make the the one person who has probably most recently been in any form of schooling be the one who happens to know how to make this calculation. I can buy it. Okay. I absolutely do not. I've also had 25 years of life experience since then. I now have access to YouTube, Wikipedia, and the internet at large, and I still wouldn't have the first clue how to figure that out. But you, okay, we should move on. However, you could figure, you could learn that probably easily now if you wanted to. Yeah, if she, if she had YouTube, I have no problem with it. There's so much YouTube crap out there that she could absolutely do the calculations. Just if she had 15 minutes worth of access to the internet, I would totally buy it. Okay. Well, I think it's not outside their own possibility. What I found oh, a little I'm completely bit. completely discounting the fact that they may have stockpiled a copy of the internet in the <laughs> bunker. Of, why wouldn't you? I mean. Uh, yeah. You keep the internet in there. Yeah, that's what I would do. Or maybe a math textbook, you know, maybe something or a, or a body chemist, a um, biology textbook, you know. Yep. Could you be. Might, might that's actually probably things. a good idea to have in there. Probably. If you're stuck first there without aid. a doctor yeah. for first aid, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, what I felt a little bit tropey about the whole thing is just the fact that you get a bunch of people in there and they're running out of air. It just, it seems like the kind of thing you'd get in a bad B movie. Yeah. Open um, the door a little bit. I mean, if they were on a spaceship, you know, it's a problem. Right. Because you can't open the door on a spaceship, it, Jason. Yeah. It's just, there's no air in space. I don't know if you know that, Chris, but, if, you know, once you open the door, the air goes out, not in right. the spaceship. Right. It's how, that's how vacuums work. Uh, but I, I just found it a little bit tropey thinking, oh my God, are they really going to do a running out of air story here? Um, but <laughs> it didn't, totally did. it didn't take very long for me to be totally on board with it. And by the end of the episode, I was like, this might have been the best running out of air story I've ever seen. I don't know, man. Uh, uh, what's the name of the movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to Mars. Uh, Total, Total Recall. Rodal T. Call. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, they had a whole running out of air thing there. Yeah. I mean, he got shot out onto the surface of Mars and his eyes popped out. Remember? No, but there was, uh, uh, there was, a. Uh, 
they shut off the air to the one section of the Mars thing. Mm-hmm. They were all like dropping them. The, 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 the little prostitute with three boobs. I recall. Yeah. <laughs> How can you forget? <laughs> How can you forget? <laughs> three boobs. Uh-huh. Well, yes, I don't know. I haven't seen Total Recall in a long time, but I think what this, the way this episode played out and what Alicia had to do and what she, at the end when she had to, to fight and, and all that stuff, I think, and the, and the way they portrayed her getting lightheaded and slowly becoming unconscious from lack of oxygen, I think it all worked really well. And I was... I was sort of riveted by the whole thing after the very beginning. So I decided that I thought this is a great way to handle a running out of air storyline, a great premise to put people who are going to suffocate and then reanimate as undead in a small contained area like this. And if you do happen to survive, what do you do? How do you handle it? So I think they did a really good job with that. And 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 by the end of it, I thought this was great. Really, really enjoyed the whole premise here. So I I agree with you that now that I'm I'm talking about it, it sure seems like I'm just picking apart this episode and and didn't like it. But I actually think this is one of the strongest episodes of the season, and that's saying a lot uh, with the last couple of episodes. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, it's a little bit weird, but. You know, if you just kind of buy into it and go, okay, this thing, this bunker is sealed off, doesn't have any air, fine. Uh, the air intake is blocked somehow. Okay, Alicia was able to calculate how much air that they needed, much like they could calculate how much water they needed. Uh, maybe they're using the same math. I don't know. Uh, so it's just fluid dynamics. I don't know. So <laughs> fine. You get on board with that. I think the portrayal of the whole thing, uh, I think that the way that they became lethargic and uh, were not able to think was true to form. I mean, this kind of thing has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching a, it's a show called Mayday in Canada. It's not in uh, in the United States and elsewhere. It's called something else. I'm not sure what, but I wish I could find actually just a copy of it somewhere to be able to watch it again. But there's one episode where this plane took off and then just lost contact and uh, they found it and it was just flying straight and level and it did so until it flew into a mountain and there was they looked they had the two pilots from uh, fighter jets fly alongside and basically everybody looked like they were asleep and they figure like the plane crashed so they really don't know but they figure that uh, somehow the oxygen uh, at that altitude uh, leaked out like the air pressure leaked out and they didn't, the people didn't have enough oxygen and they just passed out. They didn't even realize it was happening. You're saying. Yeah. They just, they went, they were, everybody was unconscious. The pilot, the co-pilot, all the crew, the passengers, everybody unconscious until the plane crashed. Well. Ran out of fuel and crashed. The show is a Canadian show called Mayday in Canada, but known in the U.S. as uh, air emergency or air disasters. Uh, yeah, I prefer Mayday because I like this show because uh, it's actually, for me, it's reaffirming for getting into a plane because every time something like this happens, they are very persistent in finding out what the fuck happened and then changing things so that that shit don't happen again. Right. And I find that very reassuring. There was a, a one of the new Airbus A380s or whatever they were. Just the other day. There were, no, there was a different one. When these first came out, uh, like within the first couple of weeks, uh, this plane took off and one of the engines ex- exploded. 
like basically just massive failure, mm-hmm. right? And they turned around and they landed. And everybody's like, holy shit, a friggin' engine blew up. It's like, no, you're missing the point. The point is an engine blew up and everything was fine. <laughs> but still, <laughs> we don't want that to happen again. No, but the plane was built in such a way that the having a, a massive engine failure like that was not enough to cause uh, any injuries in any way. Right. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> so that kind of thing makes me feel good about getting into a plane. How did Not we, bad how did that we something get, might happen. How did we get onto plane disasters? Uh, lack, lack of oxygen. Uh, oh, passing happens in planes, passengers in a plane. Right. Okay. Uh, so basically based on my experience of watching TV, the, uh, the way they portrayed the lack of oxygen and falling slowly un- unconscious worked for me. Yes. <clears throat> it worked for me too. I, I liked it. Uh, other things that worked for me in this episode, or at least relating to this are... Um, Alicia Debnam Carey, holy moly. Holy shit, yeah. Was she, she was so good. I'm starting to think that, and I put this on Facebook after the episode, I'm starting to think that this entire season, or at least the second half of season three, is about her. It's about her character. They're giving her so much great stuff to do. They've been putting her through some stuff and showing us how she deals with it. And, um... I, I almost think this show is mostly about Alicia at this point and, and what this zombie apocalypse is doing to her as a character. And I think she is, you know, stepped up huge as an actress and this episode, especially she was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's, and part of, and that is one of the reasons why I think this episode worked so well for me is that, you know, once they realize, once we're past the running out of air thing, um, she, you know, she has to go through all the stuff of basically murdering all the people who are going to die anyways, but aren't quite dead yet. Yeah. And then her- and a show of hands of all the people that I'll have to murder in the next 10 minutes, please. Just everybody put up your hand. Yeah. But, but that's even that scene when she's standing there explaining to the people or telling them this is what we're thinking of doing. Like she was great in it. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you even say those words in a believable way? Because I don't think I could do it. Yeah. You know, so they did a really fantastic job there. She did a really great job there delivering that message to the people. And, and I think just portraying the sort of devastating emotional impact of it, you know, she was amazing. Um, and then, you know, to talk about that whole plan, like she, she kills the first guy and temporarily sort of loses her mind. Because she oh, realized, yeah, like, great scene. what am great I even scene. doing? Like, how, how can I be doing this? These are other human beings. And then there's a pretty short shot of her hyperventilating kind of straight into the camera. And I thought that was really effective. It was really well done. That was my favorite scene of the whole episode. Yeah. Um, the only thing about it is, was there any feeling in you that these people who were bitten kind of came forward a little too easily? Like, they didn't put up any sort of, wait a minute there must be another way attitude? Uh, no. <laughs> I, th- I think I, I bought into it. It's like, it's yeah, this is a shitty situation. And yeah, I was bitten and I'm probably going to die and endanger these people. So if I, you know, don't fuck around and do get murdered now, I can A, not kill them when I do die and B, save them because I'm not going to be wasting a bunch of oxygen thinking about dying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
I think it was it was a rational thing. I mean, it's a shitty situation, but it's a shitty situation uh, right after an incredibly dangerous situation. They're all they all know what's going on outside of this bunker, right? And I, I think the uh, human beings will do amazing things when they get into really fucked up situations. Well, it's certainly a fucked up situation, and uh, especially for Alicia. You know, the show has done some pretty. So this show has done some really brutal things. Remember, uh, it was Chris when he found the guy in the uh, in the airplane wreckage. Yep, um, that was super brutal. Uh, but this, you know, this is just another example of it. You know, this whole thing, the whole idea here of asking people to step forward so that you can kill them, and um, in, in the hopes that other people will survive, the whole thing was just really uncomfortable. You know. Yeah. Made me question a lot of things about what you would do in a situation like this. Um, so pretty, pretty nuts. Uh, and, and another thing I realized is they didn't, and, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but they didn't make the people who were bitten come off like heroes, like they were doing something really heroic to save everybody else. And in a way they were. You know, in a way they are set laying their own lives down, sacrificing themselves so that the people who at least have a chance to survive might survive. But, but I don't know, like, I don't know if, if that's a heroic thing or not. And, and I was a little bit surprised that the show didn't go that way because I think a lot of shows or movies would, you know what I mean? Make these people really seem heroic for doing something like this. Whereas Fear the Walking Dead they kind of didn't. They focused more on how difficult a decision it was for the person doing the killing rather than the person, the people being killed. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, I didn't really realize that until you put it that way, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So really, really crazy. I think it's one of the just most craziest shit that we've seen on 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 either show. So, uh, but again, Alicia Debnam Carey, spectacular job, I think, in, in the whole thing. Um. So why don't we talk about Ophelia and Crazy Dog on their little mission through the air vents for a minute. Sure. So they have to go and crawl through the air duct system to get to and figure out what's blocking it and try to clear it. Die hard style. Die hard style. That's right. Now along the way. Come to the coast. Have a few laughs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Along the way. Crazy Dog kind of gets stuck trying to turn around in the vent. And you see, now that triggered my claustrophobia. Yeah. Being in a confined space like that and then having to turn around. I've had to turn around in a car and it's freaked me out a little bit. What do you mean turn around? You've been locked in the trunk and had to turn around? <laughs> no, I was going from the back seat into the front seat while the driver was driving and I ended up freaking head down into the, into the leg well there and I had to turn around and there was no like... Anyway, it was a bad situation. It was a while ago, but uh, yeah. So that kind of, that absolutely triggered my claustrophobia. That was well done. It was. I was wondering if if it did. Uh, whereas a couple of weeks ago when they were in the sewer thing, it didn't uh, really. Just because you had enough room to get around. It was like walking into a, I don't know, cathedral, sewer cathedral kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Well, in this case, yeah, it was pretty tight in there. Um, but you know, he starts to hyperventilate. He, he starts to panic a little bit. And Ophelia talks him down. She calms him down, gets him back, you know, down to earth. Um, the, the thing, I'm of two minds here, because after she 
after she calms him down, they continue to have a little chat, you know, in there about his his uh, son and his life. And he says that this kind of thing hasn't happened in a long time. And I couldn't help but think, um, you guys, they're running out of air. Like, maybe have your little heart-to-heart later, now that he everything's good. Stay on target here, you know, stay on the mission, because everyone else is running out of air. So I'm thinking, hey, you're running out of air. Don't get the shithead with claustrophobia into an air vent. Well, sure, but they didn't know that going in, right? He, well, he did. Well, he did. It's but, like, <laughs> But that was the point of their conversation. He said, you know, this hasn't happened in a long time. And then he talks about his son and so on. If he had just said, oh boy, it's been a long time since that happened, but I'm okay. Let's keep going. Fine. <sighs> Okay, moron, just because it hasn't happened in a long time doesn't mean it won't happen when you put yourself in a very exact situation where it should happen. Well, I I totally understand that, and that's on him. My claustrophobia is the whole reason why I decided not to become a firefighter. That's the whole reason. uh, That's the reason, because uh, they, I, okay. Running into burning buildings? Yes, I applied to be a firefighter. Yes, I went through the, uh, the physical test that they give you and it was i was 19 at the time and i passed but then they were talking about what it's like to be a firefighter and basically they say you can't see anything it's hot you can't breathe you and i'm like yeah i'm out like forget it Hmm. the the claustrophobia and they test you for that but before i even got to that test i was like fuck it i know (laughs) i'm not gonna pass it there's no way and this guy's in the same situation we're running out of air I'm going to crawl into a tight situation to get to a known blockage, which I don't know if I can get out of in any way, shape, or form. There's not a chance in hell you'd get me into that uh, into that air vent. Sure. And that's on him. Like, he should have said something, you know. But once he was in there and everything was going okay, um, I was just a little bit upset that they didn't sort of, like, get back to the mission as fast as possible because they know... People are running out of air. So, well, I you got to talk him down too, right? You got to relax. You do. But she did yeah. that. But after that is when they started talking about his son and everything. And, you know, on the other hand, I do appreciate that they gave us that information because it makes him a little bit more human and relatable. And we didn't know a lot about Crazy Dog, right? It, I feel like now he's more a part of the show. He's more of a character. Maybe he's going to stick around on the show for a little while, and he's not just going to be known as Walker's right-hand man. You know, he's an actual character now. He has a backstory and stuff like that. So I just don't think it was quite the right moment to give us that information because of the circumstances they were in. Uh, But, you know, anyways, I'm I'm, I'm glad we got it, but could have come later. Um, But anyways, so Ophelia and him get to the location of the fan and they find of course that there is a uh walker stuck in the fan blocking it so the fan's not spinning uh they manage to pull him out kill him and the air starts flowing again hooray but i don't understand just because the fan wasn't spinning that doesn't mean that air can't just pass through on its own right why why is the fact that the fan not spinning mean that it's like a sealed off location Oh, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. You oh. have to get beyond that too, Chris. Okay. <laughs> you just have to let it go. It's like uh, I'm sitting in my car and it's too hot and I'm just sitting, like the car's not driving anywhere. I'm just sitting in a parking lot waiting for someone, for example, and uh, I'll just roll down my window a little bit 
and and freak out because there's no air in the car and I'm going to suffocate to death. Well, yeah. See, I don't quite, I didn't quite get it, but the only thing I could come up with is maybe there's some kind of like airflow valve that only opens when the fan is spinning. So it's pulling air through it. But when the fan stops spinning, it closes to seal the system. Like they have those for water, right? So water doesn't flow back through a system. It can only go one way through a valve, a backflow valve, it's called usually. Sounds like a good way to kill everybody in, inside if the fan breaks down. It sure does. But that's all I could think. Otherwise, you'd think there'd just be like a grate in the ground upstairs and air could just come in on its own, you know? Maybe uh, it does come in, but it's not enough to uh, support the number of people that are in there. Maybe, but then you'd think they wouldn't die when they go unconscious. They'd go unconscious. They'd use so little oxygen because they were unconscious that maybe they'd just have enough to stay alive. But yeah, I don't know. That sounds nice. Let's, let's go with that, that that's what, what would have happened All right. if we didn't have God come down and magically take care of the situation. <laughs> Sorry, I mean Madison. <laughs> right. We'll get to that. Uh, if anyone out there is like a bunker airflow system expert, let us know if there are scenarios where a fan could stop running and would the the place would be sort of sealed off and no oxygen would be able to get in. I don't know. It if could that's... be if there was an active filter of some kind, like uh, you know, they have, you have water filters, right? You have the Brita water filter that in like yeah. you just all you do is uh, you pour the water in and it filters through the Brita and then you drink it and it's supposed to be amazing. They have water filter ceramic water filters that are so fine grained that you actually have to actively force water through it. Just putting water on it isn't enough for the water to go through the filter. Mm-hmm. You have to plunge and push that water through it. Maybe it's something similar because if you're going to have a bunker, you're going to think about nuclear fallout or and or some kind of biological or chemical substance in the air, which is why there's a, an apocalypse, not, you know, the walking dead. Uh, so you would have some kind of filter uh, that the air would have to go through. And in order to have a really good filter, you have to force the air through it, and therefore the fan has to work. Right, and that's kind but of I what didn't I... see that. No, I didn't see it either, but that's sort of what I meant. Like there's something that prevents air from flowing unless the fan is actively pulling or pushing it through. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but I, but it's I, good to know that the, uh, that the ventilation system is the escape route because, damn, those are big vents if you could fit people in them. Yeah. Right? Most they, vents you can't fit people in. Uh, no, certainly not uh, in a normal residential situation. Uh, now this is an underground bunker, so different maybe, but you're right. You, yeah. But you know what? TV and movie vents and ductwork are different because you always need to have someone crawl through them. Yeah, and they're fantastically secured to whatever surface that they're attached to. Not <laughs> like they would just put, you know, flimsy aluminum bands on to hold the very light, uh, you know, tin vent system to the wall or to the ceiling. No. Good thing that'll support at least a couple of human beings. Right. Like 300 pounds of people probably, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, that's right. It's movie land, movie and TV world. That's where that happens. Yep. All right. Um, Ophelia, uh, not Ophelia, back to Alicia. She starts to pass out. Everybody passes out. We've talked about how great that was portrayed. But then of course, um, the people who are suffocating to death are coming back as zombies and she has to fight them off. So, um, fantastic one woman fight scene, in my opinion. I thought it was done really well. 
It was. It was really, really good. And the dead don't breathe, apparently. Um, Which is nice. No, the dead don't breathe. We knew in that In this already. situation. Yeah. Not, not, not you know, in all situations. Right. Not everyone. Um, really, really great fight. Um, I would say she is extremely lucky to survive this. Jason, is she a little bit too lucky, do you think? Is, is, is her plot armor a little bit too obvious in this scene? Well, it's pretty obvious, but, you know... It's Alicia. I'm, I'm gonna forgive it. You're gonna, you're gonna let it go. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, I, if we had every situation you know, resolved to its natural conclusion, they'd all be dead. I mean, the show'd be over after one episode, right? So, yes, I, I'm, I'm inclined to let it go too. But it did strike me that, boy, there's what thirty people down there, and you know, the, our our main character is the one who survives. I mean, who else? is would survive um but i mean did she have to be the only one who survives maybe some other people could have gotten out alive you know it it did feel a little bit plot armory but as you said i'm inclined to let it go because well it was kind of awesome it was kind of awesome so uh she fights uh she's you know, she has to fight the first one when she is essentially almost unconscious a second ago. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe adrenaline kicked in or something and gave her an extra little boost of energy there. Then she's on the ground underneath one of them, which would have probably protected her from the others for a certain time. She's being she's being shielded. She had the Glenn shield on, right? The Glenn dumpster shield. Yep. So, yep. Uh, you know, there's, there's that. Um... But uh, really, really cool scene, really great scene. And of course, towards the end of it, uh, as she's, after the air has come back on, now she's fighting, you know, with more vigor because she can breathe. Um, Just as she starts to get overwhelmed, Madison busts in with Walker and uh, they rescue her, basically. And all the air rushes back in, so everything's fine as soon as the door opens. Pretty much. Um, I also did think that she came back to consciousness Awfully quickly when the air came back in. I think if yeah. you're unconscious from lack of oxygen, it might take you a little while to like get your wits about you again. Holy shit, it took me longer to wake up this morning. Well, exactly. And I don't <laughs> think I was I was oxygen deprived last night. I don't think. I might have been. I snored like a son of a bitch, but uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still waking up from this morning. <laughs> it's it's 9.15 at night and Jason's just getting fully awake. Oh, man. <laughs> just in I time to go back to bed. more coffee than I had today, let me tell you that. <laughs> well, anyways, I don't know how long it takes to come back from unconsciousness due to suffocation, but she seemed to come up pretty fast. But hey, you know, she almost, the zombies almost got the better of her and then her mom and everybody busted in and saved her. So, um... I enjoyed that. I figured, you know, Madison would show up at some point and, uh, and save the day. And she certainly did. So, uh, pretty much everything underground, Jason, I thought was really, really awesome. If we go above ground now where Nick and Troy are just being useless tools, in my opinion. See, that's why I thought was awesome. I thought that whole thing was because that was a natural conclusion of these two, you know, guys trying shit and getting into situations where you can't just try shit and it works every time. Well, I guess so. But for me, it started well. I liked the scene at the beginning where Nick is just ruthless with Troy. And he's saying like, like Troy's trying to bury his brother and 
Nick's going, you know, you don't have time for that. You can, uh, you know, you got to leave him here. We got to, we got to do something about this other situation. Stop fucking around, you know? And I like that. Nick was yep. taking charge. And then, and then I guess Troy comes up with this plan to blow up the gas, distract Reserves, the walkers yeah. and rescue the people from the pantry. And that's like as f- much information as we got. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. No, it doesn't. It sounds like we're going to blow that up, hope they go over there, and then just drive in. And That's, that's exactly how they got the uh, the whole zombie herd to go towards the ranch in the first place. I you get blow it. shit up, they go that way. They, that's, you know, that's the plan. Okay, but... It works for me. It seems, it seems like it just wasn't that, thought through very well. That's what Carol did at the beginning of season five. She blew shit up. It distracted everybody, and she was able to go in and kick some ass and get them out of Terminus. Yeah, but it's Carol. This is Troy and Nick. This is exactly. Like freaking... This is what happens when Troy and Nick try this and not Carol. <laughs> if Carol was there, this plan would have worked. Oh, I suppose it would have worked if Carol was there, but we got friggin' Laurel and Hardy in a pickup truck and a helicopter driving in. I mean, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. See, so... that's what would happen if you and I tried this. I'm, that's why I'm okay with it. It's like, okay, we're going to rush in. We're, we've seen lots of action movies, you and I both. Uh, <laughs> we can know, do we this. Can be, we, can, we can do this kind of thing. <laughs> you, you go, okay, we're going to rush in. We're going to blow up that thing. It's going to cause a distraction. We're going to run over there. It's going to be awesome. And you go down and you, you get in your truck and you drive and you smash into a camper and all of a sudden you're fucked. It's like, ah, crap. Now we got to gather our stuff together and get out of the car. And then you run and you end up in a helicopter. Oh my God. Like, well, what are you and I going to do in a helicopter? It's like, I got to start the helicopter. It's like, it's way up there, not down there, moron. Okay, well, you turn it on. What's the first thing that happens? It gets gummed up and shuts down. Well, I wouldn't even, you and I wouldn't have even been able to get the helicopter turned on. So don't even worry about that. I would have done the Millennium Falcon thing and just, you know, hammered on it until it started. <laughs> Pounded the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I can see your point. I mean, these guys are idiots and they... Try to execute a plan that doesn't work. See, that's the thing. I don't think that they're idiots. I just think that this whole situation was real. Inexperienced, let's say. But then Troy is not supposed to be. Troy's Mr. Army guy. He's the head of the militia. He's supposed to know how to, like, engage the enemy, isn't he? He knew where the button was to turn on the helicopter. Yeah, well. That's pretty smart. It's more than I know. The biggest problem I had was... I actually don't think it's a terrible plan. Like you said, blow something up, make them all go over there and use that as a distraction. What I thought was stupid is they fire the grenade and then immediately drive in. All I wanted them to do was wait a bit until more of the walkers congregated over there. And then hell, maybe throw another grenade over there and blow up a bunch of them. That might've been a good idea, but it felt like they like drove straight in amongst this huge crowd and you know, then we're surprised that they crashed the truck and, and had to get out and run for the lives to a helicopter. Yeah. And then inside the helicopter, like, come on, what are you going to do in there? Like you're in even worse shape. You might as well just keep running and try to outrun everybody. Well, they they didn't have much of a choice. That was the only interior space available to them at the time. Right. I guess it's not so. like they, they went, okay, we're going to choose between, okay, we've got a bunker, uh, you know, some kind of solid walled, uh, building, we've got a helicopter and we've got a gazebo. We probably shouldn't go for the gazebo. No walls. That's a little too full of holes, but the bunker <laughs> is, uh, a little too far away. So they chose the middle ground and went to the helicopter, which, you know, in worst case scenario, it could fly away, you know, just <laughs> lift up, you know, zombies can't fly. 
They can't drive. They can't breathe. They don't fly. No, they don't fly. Um, when, when they both jumped in the helicopter, they both sort of smiled at each other. What was that all about? Why? Uh, they were in a helicopter. They could fly. They could get away. No, I, I can see <sighs> Troy cause he's freaking bonkers. You know, he's, he's probably loving this. This is what he lives for, you know, but Nick, I think Nick, even Nick, he should have been terrified and not smiling. He should have been like, this is it. We're going to die in here. Even though he's well, not necessarily. I mean, if they get uh, a bit of zombie gore on them, they could just walk out. <laughs> well, there's that. Nick too, knows that. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Uh, That's what they should have done. I feel like the whole, um, the whole point of getting stuck in that helicopter was for Nick to lose the rocket launcher. Because I don't know if you noticed, but after the zombies broke the window, uh, they they escape out the other side of the helicopter. But he has to. But one of them grabs the grenade launcher from him and he has to leave it and go. So they now no longer have that weapon yeah. uh, to blow up the gas reserves. But turns out it doesn't matter because Madison shows up and blows up the gas reserves anyway and uh, rescues everyone. So see what happens when somebody competent executes the plan that is a mm, good plan? I guess. Although we didn't get to see them really execute the plan. So... I was a little disappointed in that, but... Well, that's that's the trope. If you tell somebody the plan... It doesn't it never, work. If you tell the audience the plan, it never works. If you don't tell them the plan, it always works. We had both working on the same plan, which was awesome. Okay. We, they told us the plan, it didn't work, but somebody else we didn't know about was doing the same plan. So we didn't know about that plan, even though it's the same as the plan we did know about, and that one worked. Swooped so that, in and saved the day. Yeah, it was, it was really kind of nice. I liked that fact, uh, that... You know, we didn't know about the exact same plan that was uh, planned. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you know, you've you've convinced me to come around on it a little bit because it's kind of like, it's it's everything not working out perfectly, which, you know, in this situation, that would happen all the time, probably. So uh, I'm okay there. But at the time of watching it, I'm sort of like, man, you guys, you're just, take your time. <laughs> I don't think they even knew that people in the bunker were running out of air, did they? They didn't know. They had no idea. Right. They so, were just in the bunker and they wanted to save them. Right. So they didn't, they didn't have, they didn't know they were working against the clock. So they could have taken their time and maybe done things a little smarter is all I'm saying. Right. So the way I think of it is that, uh, if you have John McClane in Nakatomi Plaza, you're going to get some shit done, right? There may not be a plan. He may not have shoes, but he's going to friggin' save the day. You get, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jake from Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the same situation. That shit ain't going to happen the same way. You sure he isn't going to just bumble his way through and accidentally save the day in a hilarious and entertaining way? No, he might solve it, but I don't know if he'd save the day, the same, you know, having John McClane in there. Well, that's true. No one's John McClane. Uh, uh, John but... McClane versus the Death Star. That'd be awesome. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> Somebody make that movie, <laughs> please. Uh, well, all right. So those Nick and Troy, a couple of idiots who can't get it done, but luckily Nick's mom shows up and saves the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> See, now you're thinking. Yeah. See, exactly. this is, you have to watch the nice guys. This same kind of thing happens in the nice guys. Uh, and it's absolutely amazing. I'll, I don't want to spoil the movie for everybody, but I'll spoil it for you afterwards if you want. Okay. Well, maybe I should just watch it. I don't know. You I'll should see. just watch it. Okay. Uh, so towards the end, I mean, that's the bulk of this episode, but 
basically we get some final scenes at the end after everyone has been rescued and come out and the uh, the ranch is no more it's destroyed it's on fire it's still full of zombies um so they're up on a hill they're all happily together again madison relates the plan that they're going to head back to the dam and the trading post and they have all kinds of supplies and they'll be safe and everything everybody's gonna live happily ever after but no alicia is insisting that she is going to go out on her own she's going to leave and go to this place that jake told her about i think it's up north and uh, she just has to do this and do it by herself against her mother's wishes. Is this so she can show up in the regular show? No, come on. It's not so she can She's show up. She's going up north. It's going to be a couple of years later. She'll end up in Washington at, uh, you know, fighting the governor. Not the governor, um, Negan. Fighting Negan. Uh, well, yeah, but they're in California, so she'd have to go pretty far east, first of all. Yeah, whatever. Which, I mean, we got, she's got a couple of years in a truck. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about this because Nick already did this. Remember, he took off on his own, left his family because he, I guess, was deluded at the time or didn't agree with what his, the way his mom was doing things. And that's kind of the same thing that Alicia said here, mom, your way doesn't work. So I'm going to go on my own and find another way. But like, why? Why do Madison's children keep leaving her like this? I, I'm that's what kids do, my friend. Well, they get older and they go, Fuck it, I'm going out on my own. See ya. Even in the zombie apocalypse? I guess so. There's a there's a very basic biological drive to get away from your parents. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> ultimately they turn out to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has felt that, I suppose, at one time in their life. Yep. I just I don't know. In terms of the show, though, you know, this show is about your family and what you're going to do to keep them together and help them survive and all that sort of thing. And and what's what's the single most important thing to to keep going in the zombie apocalypse? And it's your family. But but I sort of feel like sometimes the show repeats them is repeating themselves already a little bit by finding ways to get these people apart which is counter to everything that Madison is trying to do and that's keep them together. So, and now of course we have Nick and Troy following her to make sure she's okay, which (laughs) I'm not even sure how I feel about that because I don't know what it, I mean, it means that there's no chance in hell that they will stay separated for very long because, you know, the kids are in one place, Madison and Strand and everybody are in the other, another place. So I don't know. It's, I, I kind of wish they had just decided to go back to the dam and dealt with everything that they're going to have to deal with there. Yeah, it seems kind of weird, but they'll get back together. Like, I mean, Nick was gone and completely way off radar for a long time and he ended up coming back. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, if we just know they're going to get back together eventually, why even go this route like we did it with nick now we're doing it with alicia once they come back together i don't know someone else is gonna have to decide to leave at a crucial point so at least she just needs some time to get her shit together i mean she just been through a lot right of course she has boyfriend dies she had to fight off zombies she had to kill people she had to almost not breathe to death what do you call that asphyxiate Mm mm-hmm uh, you know, it was, it's been a rough couple of days. Oh, absolutely. I get that. But 
wouldn't that make you maybe want to stay with the comfort of the people that care about you and stuff like that rather than no, go man, off on no your way. own? I'd want to go to, I'd want to go to the cabin and hang out for a little bit. Mm. Well, maybe, I guess it's different for everybody. I did like though that they didn't waste any time telling her that Jake, uh, was dead. And again, Alicia's reaction to that, I thought was really, uh, really well done and well portrayed on the show. And it was one of the things that, that turned her or that, you know, pointed her in that direction of leaving. I think she had Jake been alive and waiting at the dam for her. She probably yeah. would have gone back. Right. But I, yeah. despite the fact that it's her mother and her brother and people she knows, she's, she feels like there's nothing there for her and that this way of doing things isn't working. So she decides to go away. Well, I don't know, but I, do you think they'll be gone for the bounce? Like there's only three episodes left, sort of only two, right? Because they're doing two on one night. Do you think Alicia is going to be, and maybe Nick and Troy are going to be gone for the rest of the season? I doubt it. Me, me too. What the hell do I know? Yeah, I doubt it too, but you never know. Uh, I did not watch the preview for next week, so I don't know if they showed her in there at all or not. Uh, so we may be talking out of our asses here because everyone's like, guys, she was in the preview, but I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I'd be surprised if, if they weren't. Well, you know what? I'll be surprised if they're not in the rest of the season. I will not be surprised if they don't come back together until season four. Right. Right. So. Anyways, we'll see how that goes. Overall, really, really solid episode, in my opinion. And it mostly comes down to Alicia Debnam Carey for her work here. I agree. Solid episode. Very, very good. All right. Well, if anyone has any thoughts or agrees or I suppose disagrees with our take on this episode, uh, let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, I would be curious to know how much some of the slightly unbelievable things got to you or bothered you or if they were overshadowed by all of the uh awesomeness that i think we got in this episode so uh write in and uh let us know uh okay so we are going to do a really quick uh after hours segment but that is it for this podcast here send in your feedback and all your thoughts and comments and we'll do a look back at the beginning of next week's show we've got one more week of single episode and then we've got the big two-part season finale after that before we get right into back into the main show so we got a couple more weeks of fear the walking dead and i am really looking forward to seeing how this season wraps up because uh, it's been ramping up to what I hope is a great big finale. Yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be great, though. I think so. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, okay, everyone, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes, and a send voicemail button, which you can use to record a voicemail right into your computer, and it will get sent our way. You can also send your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or at talking dead on Twitter. And, uh, coming up in the after hours, we have another tweet I want to talk about really briefly. It's related to walking dead. So stick around for that. If you would like to help the show, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the walking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge that, uh, helps with all the costs associated with putting on the show. And, uh, it's really, really appreciated or, 
Of course, the easiest thing to do is use our Amazon links when you go and do your shopping at Amazon. And that can be amazon.com.ca.co.uk, I guess, in, in the UK or, or, or other Amazons around the world. So visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. Everything you buy, a tiny cut comes back to us and uh, it doesn't cost you an extra cent. So it's a really great way to help out. Uh, okay, that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right, Jason, I sent you a tweet earlier uh, this week from one mm -hmm. of our listeners, at Kevin Perkle on uh, Twitter. Cool. And... Kevin tweeted us this tweet, and I thought it was worth a discussion because <laughs> I think it's a fascinating, <laughs> a fascinating idea. He sent, okay, guys, what if it had been JDM who played Shane and John Bernthal who played Negan? So take John Bernthal and imagine him in the role of Negan and then take Jeffrey D. Morgan and imagine him in the role of of Shane. I'm not going to go into again my my feelings on Je Jeffrey Dean Morgan as as Neen cuz cuz if anyone's been listening for a while they know exactly how I feel. But I thought this was a fascinating idea and I think I'm going to let you go first and 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 find out what you think of this idea. What if we switched those actors, Jason? So I can imagine uh John Bernthal playing Negan. I think that that might make the character less character caricature -y and a little darker because mm -hmm. uh, when Shane got, uh, or when John Bernthal got dark at the end of Shane's uh, character arc, uh, I thought it was very interesting. So I think John Bernthal as Negan, I can buy that. And I think that sounds like an interesting alternate universe that I would like to uh, jump over to just to watch a TV show from that universe. I cannot... Imagine Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Shane. I can't do it. I, hmm. You're going to have to help me on this. I just, I can't <laughs> seem to get my head around uh, that happening. I wonder why that is. is. Do you think it's because he is so um, remarkable? And, and, and I don't mean that in the, in the good way necessarily, but he is so uh, noticeable or whatever as, as Negan. Like you can't imagine him doing anything else no i can imagine him doing lots of stuff because i've seen him in other stuff and yeah he's fine in that he's not negan in those other stuffs it's true uh so it's not that i can't imagine him playing any other role it's just i can't i can't put him in sh the role of shane and you know, make it run in my head. There just seems to be some kind of fatal syntax error. <laughs> I I can sort of see what you mean because Jeffrey Dean Morgan has like leading man aura to him, right? And Shane is the partner character. He's supposed to be the guy who's who's uh, the you know behind. The leading man, right? He's the secondary yeah. guy. He's having sex with the wife of the leading man. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which in its own thing is, you know, I, I could kind of see Jeffrey Dean Morgan doing that. 
Um, or I could I could see JDM as Shane doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he could be sleeping with all kinds of wives. He could Who be. knows? Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> His real life wife just, uh, they just announced that they're having a baby. Oh, so oh nice. Congrats. Congratulations. Congratulations to them. He let it slip by accident in public that they're having a girl. And then I think he Oops. got in trouble. <laughs> I wonder if his wife knew. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes that happens where you find out. I mean, I remember during the, we didn't know Jasper's gender until he was born. We had suspicions, but uh, one of the things that terrified me was, uh, you know, watching ultrasounds because I can see the screen. Jenny couldn't see the screen. And I knew when they were doing the anatomy scans, what part of the body, and I didn't know what, you know, uh, genitalia a male and female look like in an ultrasound i couldn't tell so every time they scanned anywhere you know around the hips i'd be like i'm not looking i'm not looking because i didn't Dude, want to find out there's nobody in the history no non-medical professional in the history of the world ever looking at ultrasound could tell what gender it is i don't know how i don't know how those people i can don't see. either i didn't want to take the chance right. i'm a pretty smart guy i can figure out visual crap when it's thrown in front of me I know what a penis looks like when it's thrown <laughs> no, in front of me. I wasn't thinking I would be able to see soft <laughs> tissue like a penis. I was thinking I, I don't know what, I have no idea what, but I didn't want to be spoiled on the, uh, uh, you know, the plot. Right. So, well, or that's, that's very nice of you, but I never worried about that the first time. But it could happen that the, you know, the husband or the man, the father right. could find out what the gender is and the wife not know. That's true. It's entirely possible. I'm sure it's happened plenty of times. Sometimes. And then he lets it slip and she's like, oh, we're having a girl. Thanks a lot, shithead. Yeah. I don't know what happened in this case, but all I know is they're having a girl and he announced it. Uh, But back to the original idea. I'm sort of with you. I can see John Bernthal as Negan. He can play that intensity, that craziness. Um, I do don't think that John Bernthal would play Negan the same way Jeffrey Dean Morgan is. I don't think in a million years Bernthal would make Negan as hammy as I think JDM is doing it. Um, so in a way, I think John Bernthal might actually be a better choice for Negan, at least the way I imagine it in my mind. And who knows how it would have really turned out, but I can imagine a scenario where he's amazing as Negan. Going the other way with Jeffrey D. Morgan as Shane, I'm not as far, I'm not totally with you that I can't imagine it at all, but I do agree it's more difficult to picture that. But I think that is because we've now seen him play Negan this way, and it's hard to imagine him doing any other character on The Walking Dead in any other way. Yeah. Right, in a more subtle uh, way or... um, portrayal of the character. So, um, so I, I agree that it's difficult to sort of imagine that, but I don't think it necessarily would have been the worst thing in the world. And, uh, and I don't know, I, it, I feel like it might've worked. So. Yeah. I, I, I really think that, uh, yeah, I agree with you. John Berthal as, uh, uh, as Negan. There's something that would have been would have been a darker, less caricature-y kind of uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, did you watch Daredevil with him as the Punisher, John Bernthal? I did not. I'm still saving it for a special occasion. Okay. 
Uh, it's season two where the Punisher is introduced, I think. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was amazing as the Punisher. Like, John Bernthal was born to play the Punisher, in my opinion. He did a fantastic job. Awesome. Uh, and I'm not saying Negan and the Punisher are the same, but, you know, they're both sort of guys who are okay with killing. <laughs> <laughs> different different motivations, for sure. Uh, I think, anyways. I don't know. I still haven't read uh, any of Negan's backstory. But, uh, anyways, John Bernthal as Negan real potential there. And I guess in some sort of alternate universe, that would have been fun to see Jeffrey D. Morgan as Shane. I think there's a possibility that it could work. And, uh, I'm kind of bummed in a way that, that, that we'll never see that, you know, we'll never get to see that at that's <laughs> this point. So thanks Kevin for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. So, like I say, it. if there's a, a way to, you know, open a small crack into an alternate universe where you could just watch their TV. I think there's an alternate universe with uh, John Bernthal as Negan that uh, I'd like to see. Yeah, absolutely. This also makes me think that, you know, this kind of actor swap idea would, is, is an interesting, uh, just an interesting thing to think about once in a while. Not like, oh, what if, you know, Tom Cruise had played Negan, you know, and someone totally unrelated. <laughs> Um, but when you, when you, not enough running, yeah, not enough running. And, uh, what else does he do? Smile. He has big teeth, right? Uh, yeah, he runs, he has to sprint in every movie he's in. Yeah. Just like Tom Hanks has to pee in every movie he's in. Well, I don't think Tom Hanks could pull it off either. <laughs> no. Um, but, but if you, if you keep within a show, right? Like, you know, what if Sarah Wayne Callies had played Carol and Carol had played Laurie, you know, something like that. Melissa McBride had played Laurie. So like, yeah, or mix Sally up. Field or somebody, right? No, no, no. Within the same show, like keep the actors, like swap. Oh, them. I see. Yeah. I'd say I, I didn't realize the rules. Well, the, I'm, I'm just saying, if you're going to have rules, I think those are fun rules to, to make. Caitlin yeah. Nason as Carl and uh, Chandler Riggs as Enid. You could do it. Why not? Who knows? Chandler Riggs would play a great spy. <laughs> He's already got the hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. <laughs> I spy my eye. <laughs> I spy my bangs. That's all I can see through this friggin' shower curtain of hair I have on my head. <laughs> I spy my one good eye. Yeah. Something that is. Oh yeah. He's only got one eye, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I remember doing the panel last year at Atlanta with him and, and I asked him what it's like to act with a patch over your eye the whole time. And he had some good answers. What were the answers? Well, he, he talked about having no depth perception and, oh, yeah. you know, there'd be a bug flying around and he'd think it was like right in front of his face and wave his arms around, but it was way over there and stuff. So, you know. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, depth perception. Yeah, exactly. Good. Fun. Good stuff. Fun. Good times. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs>